Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of Wildly Basic. OMG, I'm obsessed with this episode. We got to sit down and talk to Julie, who is a good friend of Allie's back in Kingston, and now a new friend of mine. We talk a bit about backpacking and climbing, but mainly we talk about how Julie is striking a healthy balance in her life as an outdoor lover and a mom. Allie and I are so happy with how this episode turned out. We feel like we got a lifetime's worth of advice all in one sit down with Julie. So we hope that you guys enjoy it as much as we do. But in other news, we have stickers now. We're going to be selling our stickers by donation and we're going to be giving 30% of all proceeds to Color the Trails. Color the Trails is a local organization that is advocating for inclusive representation in outdoor spaces. If you want to help support and sport some sick stickers by us, go to the link in our Instagram bio at Wildly Basic Podcast. All right, now back to the episode. Basic, a podcast about everyday badass women who love the outdoors and are unafraid to be unapologetically themselves in the backcountry, regardless of norms and expectations. I'm Emma. And I'm Allie. On this podcast, we hope to share our love of backcountry shenanigans with those like us, those that inspire us, and those that are excited to discover their interest in the outdoors. listeners this is episode four right episode four episode four um of wildly basic we are back um before we introduce our guest emma do we have any like podcast related updates to say well we've released our first episode to the world and it's on the gram it's on spotify it's on apple Podcasts, and we're at least i'm super overwhelmed with the feedback feedback we've been getting and um just the number of listeners that have clicked our links and given our podcast a chance so I'm super grateful for that audience and if you're one of them who's listened to the first episode with Sydney thank you because um it just made all the work that Ali and I have put in so far so worth it I agree and I will say too you know what's been interesting is I've gotten Um, actually a lot of feedback from male listeners and like I would say our target audience or certainly the people that our content is going to be most relatable to is mainly women and so it's been really cool to hear from men that have listened to our podcast and that you know I hope that our conversations have some insight in them but I wouldn't say that we're experts or that we're particularly you know insightful or say anything that meaningful but the men that I've talked to have said oh you know like you Sydney and Emma had a conversation about stuff that I've never even thought about before that's actually really rewarding because I thought we were just chatting over a white claw you know and (laughs) and so it's nice that something kind of came of it yeah and I I totally agree a lot of um my male friends have reached out as well with feedback and all of it's been super supportive but also I've gotten some feedback that's just been discussion based and it sounds like the conversation we had with Sydney brought up some topics that guys really wanted 
to talk about. And they were like, Hey, I hear you. I hear your perspective. Here's mine. And Allie and I are only experts in our own experiences. So to hear the flip side of it was also super great and something I didn't expect to come out of our podcast. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So um, I will introduce Julie a bit um, for our listeners. Um, So I know Julie through one of my main climbing partners or well, my main climbing partner, Frank. Frank and Julie have kind of become my Kingston family. They've really um, like taken me in and made me feel like I have a home here, which has been really nice because I'm very far away from home, obviously. And Julie, from the time I've met her, has been someone that I look up to in kind of her mentality, the way that she approaches her own life and kind of the compassion with which she approaches others while still maintaining her own kind of boundaries and her own adventurous spirit. Um, She's also a mom of Abby, who's growing up to be quite an adventurous girl herself. And uh, she's an artist and a climber. And I'll let you explain the rest about yourself. (laughs) Well, um, I've been making art for, well, I'm 45. So I've been making art since I could hold um, a paintbrush. And I guess since I was little, I've loved loved adventuring and I'm still doing it. And it's a a different ball game when you're a parent, which we can talk about later. But um, now that our daughter's older, she's climbing with us. So yeah, I'm just exploring living a creative, adventurous life. Yeah, I guess it'll help if you ask me questions. True. (laughs) (laughs) The first question that comes to mind for me, Julie, is like, what activities do you like to do in the backcountry then? Um, Well, mostly Frank and I climb together. He actually climbs with Ali more because, (laughs) (laughs) which is fine, but that's it. And that's what we can talk about later. But when we become a parent, you divide and conquer. So um, I feel like I live the dream. I'm, you know, I'm an artist. Um, I make my own hours. I run my own business teaching. Um, and he is a full, he has a full-time job as a prof at the college. And he works like he works. I work a lot too, but he's like next level. So when there's an opportunity for him to go climbing, I can find balance in my life easily with my lifestyle, but for him, it's very difficult. So therefore I want him to go off climbing with Ali or whoever, because that helps him, um, be healthier and happier. And, um, so yeah, we climb together when we can and, um, we do a lot of stuff on our own too. I love running. Um, I work out, I do yoga. I love hiking. Um, but we don't do any like big backcountry. We're like, we love our pillows and our, and all our comfort. So we usually car camp. So we're not hardcore into the camping. Um, we just love being outside. Yeah, great. No shame on the car camping, by the way. You can oh. totally, you can I mean, totally how do you it. keep your beer cold. Like, like you know, when you go to, <laughs> like that's I mean, you must be drinking liquor when you guys do these big trips, right? Oh, rum and coke. Oh, yeah. God, sure. no, I want a cold, bubbly beer. So um, yeah. And then are you originally from Kingston? Um, I'm from Gananoque, actually. Um, oh, where is that? Um, it's a small town between Kingston and Brockville. And I grew up there. And then I we did a lot of camping and hiking and canoeing. And then um, I left to go when I was 18, uh, backpacking across Europe and the Middle East. And that was quite an adventure. And, uh, and then I did my degree in fine arts at Concordia. And then I backpacked again. Yeah, the big game changer for me, I was saying um, to Ali earlier, was that when I was 17, I joined the reserves. 
and um, I went into the infantry. So I got an incredible taste of testing my physical and mental limits doing that, which was like, you know, we have moments in our lives that are pivotal, pivotal and change our perspective and change our experience. And that was one for me. Yeah. So it wasn't until like, for me, a pivotal moment was being in the infantry because I discovered what it felt like to be physically powerful. I'd never felt that way before. And, you know, being an artist and always being a creative person growing up, there were the, uh, there were the other, the, uh, the athletes. And I was never a part of that. And what's so great about getting older as I'm 45 now is that you start to realize that you don't have to pigeonhole yourself. You know, you can be a doctor and still be a painter and a musician, or you can be a plumber, but you sing in a choir. And I just feel like hopefully as people get older, if they, you know, follow, you know, follow, it sounds cheesy, but if they follow their hearts, despite what their career is, they're still going to feed themselves with those other things, which is really important for happiness. You know, we identify, we identify ourselves with certain things like, you know, you, Emma or uh, Ali, you were a gymnast for a long time. So you were a really great gymnast. Right. And I identify myself with being a strong artist because that's all always, I've always just kind of, that was like a natural direction for me, but what's liberating about not being identified as an athlete is anything I do in my life. That's active or adventurous. I'm just, I don't feel driven to be the best. I'm just so proud of myself and grateful for doing all those different things. I don't care if I'm good at it. I just, I just really want to have fun. So I don't have this expectation of myself. You're super, um, you have this amazing ability to enjoy an activity for the joy that it brings you without being competitive. Mm -hmm. And so even, so me, Frank and Julie went on a little road trip to another climbing gym in Canada, which is an hour and a half, two hours away from Kingston. So we went to this big, beautiful bouldery gym because it was a, a rainy day and we couldn't go climbing outside, which was our original plan. And I definitely noticed that Julie, when she's looking at other climbers, she like her eyes are getting wide and she's like, oh, wow, like, look at them do that cool move. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there and like, that bitch did that problem. Like, and I haven't done it. What is wrong with me? <laughs> I know you're you and Frank get all spicy. And but you see, but I admire that, too, because. I think how wonderful that you're so driven to, you know, like, I want to get better too, but I'm just, I'm just more relaxed about it. I feel driven like that in my artwork. Mm -hmm. Like the way you look at a climb, I look at a painting, you know, I'm happy if like I climbed to five, nine the other day, I don't know where we were, maybe it was Calabogie and I was totally pumped about it. Yeah. But you know, Ali just showed me a list of like climbs she wants to do over the, over what is that? Like the the, fall. The yeah. fall. Yeah. And I just see, I don't even think that way. And I think that's great. And I guess what it comes down to is she's got lists and she's driven and I'm just happy, you know, climbing at what I, like I push myself when I'm out there and um, we just all have our own different experience. Yeah. So like for Frank and I, he has, he's very creative too, but he has this deep, deep passion for climbing. And I love it too. Like you know, for me, it's not just climbing. It's like being in the woods. It's that like, you're having this direct contact with the rock. You're like, you're in these places that people only go because they're climbing. Like it's a really special experience. And then it's also can be a really quiet sport. It's either you and the rock, mm -hmm. or maybe you're just with one person that day and you're just quietly, well, maybe not quietly, but you're down belaying. And like Frank and I, we like to we don't like to be around loud people when we're climbing. So we like to focus. Yeah. We both don't like being watched. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's a, it's a really special experience. And for me, it's not just about climbing. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a full package. Julie, I don't know. You said this earlier, but I find a, a number of sports that I do 
the biggest thing for me is feeling, um, feeling in that flow with my body and feeling how strong my body is or how strong my body's becoming and just seeing my own development through sport. That's really encouraging. And I find climbing, um, in particular is one of those sports that really allows you to get into a nice flow with your body and feel, you know, your hands against the rock and feel how you're moving up a climb. Those are all great aspects of the sport. I agree. Like I think coming from a background of rhythmic gymnastics, one of the things that has drawn me to climbing is how a really good or really fun climb almost feels like a dance. I know. Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of a, it's such a personal quiet experience, but it's very intense, right? Yeah. Okay. I want to go back a little bit to, because we talked a bit about how you um, had gone backpacking by yourself. And I'm really curious to know, because even, you know, that would have been 20 years ago. That was in 1993. I was actually, (laughs) I know you could be my daughter. (laughs) But, um, you know, even even now, um, many years later, like it's a lot of women are scared for various reasons to go travel the world to places they've never been with very little plan and very Mm -hmm. little safety net to go Mm -hmm. do that on their own nowadays. But I can imagine, you know, even 15, 20 years ago, that would have been heightened you know like I'm really curious about what that was like for you well I was actually trying to think I don't know if you guys know the answer to this but when (laughs) I should know this but when did the internet like happen because (laughs) because there was no emailing and there were no cell phones so I'm going on this trip and if I want to like talk to my parents I have to find a phone somewhere like isn't that so weird yeah and and writing letters and like sending I don't recall there being like, I can't remember. I mean, you're like, asking a couple of Gen Z's here, but I, I think I would say to my knowledge, like it kind was, of late 90s, early Like, I 2000s, feel like it was yeah. like probably emerging and maybe like, you know, important people in the government were using it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so my, I guess that's regular folk. I guess I brought that up because I feel like with the internet and all the information we have, we know we have a lot more to be afraid of because we're all hyper aware of everything all over the world all the time. Yeah, I was nervous. Like my, I was thinking about it. My mom got me this weird body alarm and it was like a thing on my belt and you could like press this button and go, <laughs> but I think about it. Why would it, why would you need an alarm? Because, <laughs> because if somebody attacked me, I could press this button and it would like shock them and they'd be like, it's like, like a fire alarm going off. <laughs> but it looks so dorky that like it wasn't long after I stopped wearing it but I did wear a wedding ring and I wore big baggy clothes and I mean I was nervous about yeah I mean I was nervous about getting the attention of men or getting in awkward situations but but what I know now like I would be I would be definitely more afraid for Abby to go now but wouldn't every parent say that like my own daughter I I just feel like I just feel like we know so much because of the internet that's just incredible. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. started in Scotland and I figured I'd make my way to Europe. And then I met a woman. Um, I was 18. She was 24. So she was so much older than me. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, Hey, I'm going to Israel. Do you want to come? So I'm like, sure. Why not? So we backpacked our way all the way down to Italy, hopped on a boat, slept on the floor of this huge ship, stopped in Cyprus and then made our way to Israel. And but it was a very empowering experience. And what I've learned from it when I felt threatened and they all had to do with other men that I am a force to be reckoned with. And I'm very confident with my response when I'm threatened. You have a really good, um, really good intuition and a really good gut sense. And I feel like mm-hmm. that, I don't know. Do you feel like you develop that through traveling alone or that? Um, 
No, I feel like being a creative person, I feel like a lot of creative people are quite introverted. So that introversion allows you to be an observer. For me, going off and traveling, I'm, I just, yeah, I felt very um, aware and in touch with my intuition and street smart, like, you know, like a hitchhike too, which was probably ridiculous. And I only had one bad ride. Um, and this one guy picked me up in the middle of nowhere, he had this nice car and a suit and tie, and he was going to work. And uh, he was really quiet. And I thought that was really odd. There was like this, like, you could cut the air. And I thought, this is really awkward. And and yeah. um suddenly he reached over and he put his hand between my legs like he was gonna grope me oh my god but you know what's bizarre about it this is so bizarre it, it, it worked out fine what's bizarre about it is what your brain does in certain situations it actually can't comprehend at that moment what's happening so I thought my brain thought he was trying to fix my seatbelt. obviously he wasn't trying to fix my seatbelt. so I immediately flung my hand out at him and I put my hand in his face and I and I swore like like crazy things I just said stop the car I'm getting out I was screaming at him I said pull the car over and he still didn't speak he was just like this that's disgusting yeah it was disgusting so he pulled over and I and I kept my finger in his, his face like a weapon and I just said don't move I'm getting my bag don't pull away so of course now <laughs> I'm in the middle of nowhere <laughs> like there's cows and um so long story short I was then I got really upset because yeah. it could have been something terrible. Right? Yeah, that could have ended so it, much it worse. Could have, yeah. And I was, you know, so anyway, so luckily there were no, there was no traffic. So this big hydro truck with all these guys were on it and, and they could see that I waved them down and I was upset. And I said, can I please have a ride to the next town? Cause it was going to get dark soon. Right. Yeah. And they said, I'm sorry, we're not, we're not allowed to, it's like against our policy to take on hitchhikers. We can't. And I was so upset. So they took off and I thought, oh my God, I'm doomed. And then five minutes later, they turned around, they came back and they got me. And I got into this big like hydro truck with all these burly guys. And they like took me to a town. They dropped me right off the youth hostel. And I was like, thank you, God. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So anyway, my response was um, super uh, aggressive and protective. Yeah. So, um, and I, I, you know, I also took, um, what is that, you know, what do you take self-defense course? Yeah. I did that. I don't know if you guys have ever done a self-defense course. No. I no. highly recommend it. Now, I know you, Allie, like you probably like ripped their nuts off. <laughs> Like they have like no balls and no eyes in two seconds, but I highly recommend because the self-defense course, one of the things they teach you, it's so simple. And this actually happened to a friend of mine. She's fine, but she actually had a man hiding in her apartment in the dark. Anyway, she got up and you know what her intuition was? She screamed at him and aggressively like a wild animal as hard as she could. And it actually frightened him and actually ran out of the apartment and they teach you in self-defense. One of the first things you can do is like people, people don't expect you to have such a big response, right? They want an easy target. So like using your voice is like the first thing you can do. It's super empowering, empowering. Cause they're like, Holy fuck, this is a force, right? Yeah. Anyway. Um, we don't have to focus on that, but anyway, yeah, traveling has certainly, um, tested many things in my life and, um, and, and has helped me be a stronger person. And, you know, that's the thing about back to climbing is, you know, you feel alive when you climb because you're taking risks and you're doing something scary. Yeah. 
So when did you start climbing? Like how old were you, Allie? Well, I started climbing indoors about two years ago, right. something like that. But, and I had climbed outdoors sporadically, like prior to coming to Kingston, but I only started climbing consistently, like with Frank and Derek. Wow. And you're people. a beast. Allie's a beast girl. That girl <laughs> no. She's so strong. Oh my God. No. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank, thank you. But no. <laughs> Um, I did just want to point out though, I know we're talking a lot about climbing because the three of us love to climb and we could probably talk about it all day, but for our listeners who don't, uh, who don't climb or have no interest in climbing, like what Julie's saying about, um, making a sport your own and not necessarily needing to be the most competitive or the most fit, uh, it extends to all activities outside and you really have the space to make it your own and if you feel like you don't have that space then hopefully well I and Allie and Julie we're all here to tell you that like that exists and go for it and make it your own and you don't need to be top dog to be accepted in a community absolutely yeah and that's what I tell people in my art classes like the first thing people say is oh I don't have any talent I'm not creative and I'm like that has nothing to do with it you're here to have an experience. and I'm excited to help you have that experience. I just wish that everybody kind of set that tone in any arena that they're in. Like mm-hmm. it would be so amazing. Right. Yeah. I feel like because we, we had talked earlier a bit about vulnerability and how mm-hmm. that can be. Because <clears throat> So for the listeners and for Emma, um, Julie was giving me some thoughts on uh, our first episode and she asked me to kind of elaborate on what I meant when I spoke about um, the outdoor culture being broy sometimes, and what what I meant by broy, and one of the first things that came to mind with, to me was kind of the inability to show vulnerability in certain situations. And some of it is like, yeah, making constant dick jokes and like crass, being crass, and, yeah, being crass and yeah. smashing beers, and which all is that. fun, but yeah. to a degree, right? yeah. But there also has to be space where. So one of the things that came to mind for me was like, I know a lot of people that have cried on climbs and like I think that's totally that's totally I have totally fun. cried on a cl- climb I and have a cigarette <laughs> back before I was a parent <laughs> and, and I feel like um like there's no shame in that like it's an intense activity and there's a lot of emotion in it there's there can be fear there can be disappointment there can be uncertainty and yeah why wouldn't you cry in those situations yeah. but it seems like it's almost taboo and I feel like if you were just getting to know new people in climbing and you cried when you were out with them they would be like oh this girl's unhinged I don't want to climb with her right right but that's, right you know why that's an inappropriate response it is people are really uncomfortable with vulnerability it just that's what it comes down to it's like this private this moment that people feel is like it's private nobody wants to be seen as weak so everyone's uncomfortable with that right yeah but yeah I yeah I definitely climbed <laughs> I cried on it. I did my first crack climb and uh, I cracked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, crying, crying during climbing is something I'm very familiar with. So, (laughs) no shame. So, you know, like I find too, I used to try to keep up with Frank all the time. Like he's older than me, but he's super fit. And, you know, we used to mountain bike a lot and I do love mountain biking, but damn it. He's still faster than me. Like maybe it's probably because he rides more. But my point is, is I, for the longest time, I wanted to be the awesome partner and just keep up, but I'd bike so hard and so long. I'd be just a pissy partner because I'd be crabby, exhausted. And so, you know, we've had to work through that. He's like, okay, I know you're tired. 
So I have to learn to communicate better and not care and, and just say, you know what? I don't feel like, I don't feel like riding that long today. Like when we went to the bouldering gym, I just wasn't super pumped that day, but I had a great time and you guys were pumped and doing all this hard stuff. And I didn't feel bad that I wasn't, <laughs> I was like, la, 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 la. Yeah. Self-compassion is also a super big element for just striking that balance. And Julie, it sounds like you're striking a great balance in your life. And I can't imagine what it's like to try to do that as a mom, because I'm not a mom and I struggle to strike any form of balance in my life. Um, So to have the added responsibility of another human sounds insane to me. Yeah. Um, but it's people like have more than one job. too. <laughs> I've only got one. Like. <laughs> but it just sounds like your self-compassion and keeping that idea close to you is um benefiting in so many more ways than just you know your climbing or your art. You know, it's I can imagine it's having a great effect on your daughter. Yeah, well, I mean, you need self-compassion for mental well-being, right? Like, and so basically becoming a mom was so hard. Um, I mean, it's truly amazing, but it tore me down and that I had to have self-compassion because it was so hard to have such a big change in my life and to have someone dependent on me 24 seven. I, when, you know, I was having difficult thoughts about being a mother, criticizing myself or whatever it was going, going on. When you have a child, you suddenly realize, well, I don't want her to think that way. I would never say that to her. So why would I say that to myself? Because in the end, like it really, it really affected my mental health being so sleep deprived. Um, and I, I struggle with my mental health as it is. So I'm very, very aware of self-care and what I need to do to stay healthy. Yeah. And it's unpredictable. Life is very unpredictable. <laughs> yeah. For the listeners too, like, I feel like Julie is pretty humble, but she's like an incredible mother and is already instilling what I see as like so much independence and Mm. just confidence in Abby like and she's so adventurous like when I go over to their house Abby's like climbing trees and like riding around on a skateboard and she's like the sweetest kid and I don't I'm pretty sure I don't want kids I don't know yet no but then when I see Abby I'm like oh you're only 24 you could decide in like (laughs) I know I know but if 12 years if I could have one that was just like a copy and paste of Abby then I would (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you may never and and people that don't have kids have incredibly rich rewarding lives it's just it's all just different right and it's all hard it's all balanced even if you don't have kids right one of the things that I would be scared about if I do ever have children, how to raise them with, you know, the things that I didn't have that I wish I did. So one thing for me that's huge is like, I've grown up with a lot of body image issues. Okay. And part of that's growing up in a sport where right. it, that's very body image focused. Right. And, gymnastics. Yeah. and I noticed you made a comment when we were in the car on the way to the climbing gym where you were talking about um, how you've been doing intermittent fasting and you mentioned like how, however much weight you had gained or lost or something. And then you turned back to Abby and you were like, but Abby, this isn't about being thin. Like this is about making sure we feel as healthy and strong as yeah, we can. Yeah, so important. And you just interjected that. And then you continued the conversation. And I was like, like taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard because like, you know, now that I'm 45, it's, it does seem harder to stay. It's not like in your twenties, you can like have a big drinking week. Anyway, it's just harder to stay as trim as you were in your twenties when you're in your forties. And so my husband and I really care about staying healthy. 
and being strong, you know, it's hard because my husband, and I talk about it a lot. So I keep saying to Abby, Abby, these conversations are about us being really strong, healthy people. It's, this is nothing to do with whether you're beautiful or not. And I always tell her like, and it sounds cheesy, but I said, you know what beautiful is? I'll say beautiful is kindness and self-love. Like it really is like somebody who's a really loving, warm person. They radiate. Yeah. So Anyway, having kids just helps you look at yourself and figure out what's real and what's true. And hopefully you, you know, you do the best you can. Do you kind of like what Allie was saying, where she thinks um, if she ever were to have kids, she's afraid of, sorry, Allie, if I misquote you, but like passing along some like negative habits or negative thoughts that she has. Are there any insecurities you have as like a mother trying to be a good mentor for your daughter? That's a really good question. Hmm. It's a, it's a super personal question. No, no, it's fine. No, I'm just trying to think about it. Cause I have to say, I have to say, I feel very confident as a mother. So I come from, my parents are divorced now. They divorced, they separated when I was 17 and they separated and finally divorced when I was 19. So I feel like my growing, we all have our different things we have to work through. And mine was my, my lack of faith in relationships and of course, I, well, luckily I've picked one that's, he's a keeper. <laughs> I still like him. It's been 17 years. But as a parent, I feel like, I think I've worried in the past because I have bipolar disorder, which is very, very difficult, um, which I manage really well. But I think, you know, when she was younger, it being sleep deprived and all the, you know, the challenge of having a young baby was so hard on me that when I wasn't well mentally, it was really hard for me because I was worried she would know and if that would affect her. So it's interesting because I remember when she was a toddler, I was quite down and, you know, not suicidal or anything like that, but just really struggling. And I thought I had it covered. I was like, I'm joking with her. We're playing like I've got this. And she looked over at me and she said in her little toddler voice, mom, are you sad? And so that I'm, I'm over, I have to say, I've worked through all that and I've learned how to talk to her. I've developed a language and a comfort with showing her that if you, you know, if I get really upset around her and I, my mental health is a lot better now because of, I actually sleep. That's huge for <laughs> yeah. anyone's mental health. Yeah. But I was worried that my vulnerability or me crying um, or not seeing as like upbeat or, you know, or maybe at more agitated or grumpy. I mean, we all get those ways, but I was just worried that she would maybe learn those habits or be afraid of them, or it would make her feel uneasy. You know, now that she's telling me she thinks I'm sad, I guess I have to talk to her about it, right? I have to have a language, you know, and until they're, you know, until they can talk, you don't really, you think, well, they're just babies, right? But of course they pick up on everything. So from a very little age, when I felt like I couldn't not cry in front of her, I would say to her, you know what, mommy's upset right now and it's okay to be sad and it will pass and you'll get sad too sometimes and adults get sad and it's just part of, it's just part of being alive. And I said, I'm going to cry and I'm going to feel better and it will pass. And your mom is strong, even though she cries. And I still say that to her now, like she's 10 now. And I actually don't cry that much anymore. I, I feel like I've got so much balance in my life, um, which is very privileged. I'm balanced because my husband has a really good job and I can work part-time. Like this is a very privileged life, but yeah, I'd say to answer your question, I think my big fear was, um, you know, for you as a body thing, for me, it was a mind thing, worrying about what I would pass on to her, you know, maybe she'll end up having a mood disorder. I don't know. 
but I'm giving her the tools to be comfortable with her vulnerability and mm. like using that language. Yeah. So yeah, parenthood is, uh, can definitely open up a lot of can of worms and it does, yeah. it kind of breaks you open, mm-hmm. which is beautiful and powerful. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I think it's really important to talk about, there isn't enough talk about mothers and mental health because really everybody wants to show them with their baby pictures on Facebook. Everybody wants, no one, if, if a mother and a has a baby and looks like she's struggling she doesn't want people to think she's not a good mother or strong mother that she can't cope so they're going to hide it so it's just totally you know I talk to women now who admit to postpartum depression or admit to all their struggles but I can tell you in those baby circles at the library circle no one's talking about that stuff you know that's it's a cliche but honestly like getting older is so empowering like I love my 40s 40s rock like they do I just feel like so confident and I have self-compassion and I know who I am and I feel yeah my body isn't perfect but I feel like I look damn good (laughs) (laughs) you know whatever I mean I work out and and I still flubby and I still think I look great and if you just stay true to yourself and just keep challenging yourself you end up going the right direction even if you think you're lost but you know it's really interesting talking about mental health is my mental health has gotten so much better over the years. It's only been the last five years I haven't been working full-time with a child, teaching in the evenings and showing and doing all this other stuff. So my mental health has got so much room. Um, I can practice wellness. I have a lot of time for wellness. So my point is, is it's really interesting because when I first started climbing with Frank, I loved climbing, but I always, I had a lot of anxiety. Just, there was just, my twenties were great, but they were tumultuous and I had a lot of uncertainty and a lot of anxiety. So it's interesting with climbing because I couldn't fathom leading. I'm like, it made me want to vomit. Like, and now I think like before the pandemic or maybe the first last year, I don't remember. It doesn't matter, but I'm like, I'm going to lead something and I'm ready. And I just felt so at ease and like grounded and like, "Mm, yeah, I'm just going to leave this. And it was something easy. It doesn't even matter that it was easy. My mental health has changed how I climb. Wow. Honestly, Julie, you're just, you're really inspiring me. I don't know, Allie, if you ever feel this way, but sometimes I think about my life and I'm like, oh my God, but if I were to ever become a mom, like I would have to give up so much. And would I really like, would I strike that balance? But hearing you speak about it and hearing how empowered you've become through motherhood and the the perspective that you've gained, it's just so inspiring that like, I can now picture it. And it's cliche to say like, I see that you're doing it. So now I like, no, of course, do it, but totally. Luckily, I had the emotional intelligence to meet a guy like Frank, who I could like navigate all the stuff that has gotten to me where to where I am like I figured I wouldn't get to this point till I was maybe in my late 50s it worked out that I'm younger and we're able to do this you know to live this lifestyle because um we make less money but but anyway I, I think it really goes to finding a really good partner do whatever you need to do to and be a really good communicator oh my god we've learned how to communicate yeah well I, I said this before I'll I'll say it again for the listeners but Frank and Julie remind me a lot of Emma and Brandon and I know we kind of shot on Brandon in the last episode. <laughs> oh my God. So we were kind of just basically in the last episode, Emma and I both kind of got roasted about our love lives. But but for real though, like I feel like, and it's with anything, it's not even just relationship. 
knowing how to communicate with people and knowing how to communicate with different types of people is such a learning it process. is such a learning process yeah yeah like you find a really good climbing partner you can trust it's the same way with the life partner right I feel like we need to give Frank like the biggest shout out on this episode it's <laughs> like he's a great life partner to Julie I know that he's been a great climbing partner to Allie like he's just he sounds like a he's not perfect right <laughs> <laughs> I don't know he's not perfect but he has like he checks all the boxes and all the stuff that's not perfect well right you know I feel like we need to like his ego is going to be huge yeah. after listening to this we need to think yeah. of something to like trust me <laughs> like you know there's the expression people have a leash on their partner well there's an I just, I, I rarely say no. <laughs> so he's damn lucky to have me, <laughs> you know, like talk about, like I talk all about self-compassion and compassion, but you know, then there's the, you, if you were flying the wall, like I can't stand it when Frank gets grumpy. It's like, he's not allowed to get grumpy, but I can. So when he's grumpy, I get grumpy, but when I'm grumpy, he's like, so is everything okay? <laughs> and I'm just like, so I'm really learning from him. He's, he's, he's more mature than me in many ways. And, and I am and others as well. So it's a balance. So what are you doing with children now? Um, okay, so <laughs> I'm kind of doing a bunch of, I'm figuring out my life. Right now, I, right, well, <laughs> God. It was an easy question, Julie, I know, but I'm <laughs> you don't have to share if you don't want to. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I like I, I've worked with kids in many ways. You know, I've done the summer camp thing. I've worked in out of school care programs. Um, but right now I'm doing some EA work in yeah. the Squamish school district. Yeah. And then I'm also a forest educator. Cool. And it's for preschool kids. So that's awesome. <laughs> Are they they even listening? Well, listening, like, (laughs) I was walking with them this morning. We're, like, walking along the forest. And my first thought was, like, oh, my God, these preschoolers are basically just drunk adults. (laughs) I know. They're, like, stumbling and... (laughs) And the funny thing is, I had one kid. Wow, now I'm just going ranting about children. But I had one kid who was, like, he was walking across this bridge. Like, it was, like, a log over. a walking baby. (laughs) So, it's... They are, and that you can't understand like 80% of the things that come out of their mouth, but he's walking along and I'm behind him because I'm with another kid who's walking a little slower. And I see him walking across this like wet log that's crossing like a creek like with water and rocks in it. And he's walking and then he slips. He does like a full, like oh 360 God. lands head first into the water. And I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to deal with this meltdown. And I run over and he's already picked himself up. And like, he's leaving the water. (laughs) Yeah, because he's drunk. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just crazy. Like they cry because they're away from their mom for more than 20 minutes. But then they take the biggest fall of their life and they're so unfazed. And I'm like, the resilience in these children is so backwards. (laughs) I know. And it's partly too, they're almost like, they're like an animal they're like an animal in a way like they're so in the moment there's that moment of being upset about their mom but then they see a bird and suddenly they're chasing it yeah they're in that animal like that really in like they're just so they're like puppies they're so in the moment like it's just constantly changing that's what's partly so hilarious about it yeah (sighs) Yeah. anything else? if you guys want you should come on up the swamp. Oh, well, we're, gonna, we're gonna come there eventually we definitely want to go out west I mean it's calling right it's so beautiful and there's so much to do there 
we can go climbing. I finally, Allie, I, I didn't tell you, but I did a five nine. Oh, Whoa. that's awesome. Thank you. I was, I was really happy. I'm, I was thinking about this earlier, Julie, when you were talking, but, um, when I'm climbing, like sometimes I see other groups climbing and like clearly the person climbing scared, right. like it's obvious, but they are saying stuff like, oh, the rock's kind of wet or, oh my gosh, I'm like super tired from yesterday. And they're making up excuses for like why they might not be performing their best. Right. And, um, I've just gotten really comfortable with telling my group like, oh, I'm, I'm scared as fuck. Um, I was on this climb and I actually was like, this is so spooky. It was this giant flake. So I'm up it and I was getting really spooked because I only do top rope, Julie, because I'm scared of leap climbing, but I'm like climbing up. And I was really scared that if I like let go or like stumbled a bit, that the rope would pull me into like behind the right. plate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just like yelling at the people behind me or b- below me. Like, I'm just really scared right now. Like, just take your time or be patient with me. Cause I'm like shaking as I'm like reaching for the next hole. <laughs> um, people that can hear you are like, yeah, that girl's just like killing it, even though she's scared. And it's cool that she's so obviously scared and she's still killing it or trying or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I have noticed that Emma, you're really, you're so good at just like saying when you're scared, like even when we went um, bouldering with James, mm-hmm. we talked about on episode one, our park ranger friend, Emma also was like, she would get halfway up a boulder and she's like, too high for me like not, I'm scared coming down because like a lot of the boulders in that area are massive no, and God. like and because I'll be like mm, oh, I'm not I just I don't trust this foot I'm coming down <laughs> but really I'm actually just scared <laughs> <laughs> but Emma just is so honest that's so, so funny <laughs> yeah well I hope I hope that other people climbing with me also then are like it's okay to be scared. Like, Oh, okay, cool. And like, I'm not saying don't push through your fears, but you know, you can be honest and just like, cause it is spooky. Like climbing spooky. It can be very spooky. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like my ego is too big. Like I see Emma doing it and I'm like, Oh, respect. But then I'll still just blame it on like the moss or like something like that. Oh, it's too dirty up here. I'm not doing the top. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, damn, I'm inspired. Like, I'm just like, damn, I, whatever this is, whatever this lady's doing, I need to take note and figure uh, it out. Well, that's why you guys are doing this podcast because you want to help elevate people, right? Because we learn from each other. Like we all see the world so differently. And, you know, the, I'll just say one last thing. The great thing about struggle is that it forces you, you know, to get out of, you know, you can't stay in that. Like you're, you want to get out of that feeling of discomfort and that struggle hopefully pushes you to grow, right? Like there's this great analogy or I don't know what you call it, but about the butterfly. So butterfly in the chrysalis, you know, it's, it has to struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle to get out. But if you clip the clip chrysalis to let it go, it will die. It has to struggle. Yeah. No, yeah. Julie, it's been so great. Thanks Thank for you. taking the time. And like, I know you have a, like a busy life. We've talked about it in length, but it's just, we really appreciate it. And I'm just so happy we got to have like your voice on this podcast because it was so important and I think it really is going to have a good impact on our audience yeah yeah I think so too and like Emma and I have said this before like selfishly if no one else listens to this (laughs) 
I just got like a lot of life advice out of the story. <laughs> yeah, I just got a yeah. mouth. I've read a lot of books. <laughs> I've read a lot of self-help books. I'm just passing it on. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, sisters. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Wildly Basic. Don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Instagram at Wildly Basic Podcast. Our marketing director is Emma. Our editor-in-chief is Ali. Artwork by Emma. Music and sound by Ali. Co-hosted by Emma and Ali. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Happy trails. trails!